Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the coaches panel. I hope you're well, and welcome back to another episode as we talk through some of the biggest dilemmas facing fantasy coaches across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy for 2022. The good news is this is uh, your second podcast of the day just a couple of hours ago. Jimmy and I dropped all the ultimate footy DPPs. Uh, there's about 10 or so that have hit it. So if you'd like to go back and see who they are, you can just scroll back after listening to this one. It's there. Or you can check out the article that I've dropped for you at coachespanel.tv. Joining me on this episode, though, to talk through all the big dilemmas that coaches are facing in salary cap formats, amongst everything else, I've got Rids. Hello, buddy. How are you, man? How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're still in ISO life? I'm still with the Rona. <laughs> We're spending a bit of time together in the house. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. I don't get released until, um, I think, Friday. So... Okay. okay. Yeah, well, so let's hope that happens. <laughs> I'm sure it will, mate. It's good to have you up and about. Look, there's a bit we want to get to. I want to get to some of our Patreon questions. Uh, if you'd love to join our Patreon supporter group, all the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. It's one of the ways you can show your support of the Coaches Panel in 2022. I want to talk with you, Rids, shortly about what coaches should be doing if they've had a slow start from an overall rankings perspective, albeit only three weeks, but there's enough coaches that are concerned that they're ranked 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, maybe not so much in, in other formats, but there's enough concern. I want to get to that. I want to talk about Bruce. I have to say it, mate, but I feel like we've got to talk about him again. I don't think there's ever been a player we've spoken about more in a preseason or start to a season than Braden Bruce. But before we get there, man, um, I'm keen on your take. There's a few players that have really come out of the gate strong. And I want to know is now that in Dream Team and Supercoach, they have had a price cycle change. I'm keen on your take. Is it still too late to go after certain guys? And maybe the leader of the pack of the is it still too late to get them is Patrick Cripps. There's some other names I'm keen on your take. But he's now given us three very great very great games now. Is this legit? Can we buy in now, even after a couple of price moves in AF or one big one in DT and Supercoach? Or do we just need to cut our losses and look elsewhere? Well, this is really awkward um, now because his price is, I think he's about 780000 in Dream Team. And mm. I think in AFL Fantasy, he's over 800000 now. So he's closing the gaps to those fallen... Um, Uber premiums, if you want to call them Uber premiums. Sure. So, so that gap has closed so much. And really, and like, let's be honest, MJ, the problem that we got with Crips is he's in 95% of all the top 100 teams, pretty much. Yeah, across Because that's why they are ranked so high. Because he's had a good start. Formats. Yeah. Exactly. So last week we sort of discussed um, Crips about Supercoach. Mm. Um, and we really were saying, well... This is the week you want to jump on him because he's he was still around that um, stepping stone premium. He could, you know, I think he's yeah, mid four fifties in super coach sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think in super coach he's more likely to land at an M eight in a completed side than sure. what he would be in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. So 
and this is the problem, and we say this every year, and we say it multiple times every year. You don't get his season average if you don't own him for the first three games where he goes bang. Correct. So the problem that you really have now is the same problem you had last week and the week before. Do you think he's going to average more against his price? And if that's the case, it is average. And I do apologise if I'm a bit haphazard with words with COVID. It does that. Um, but... But if he's not comparable with his price tag or you see him as still underpriced, then he's likely to go 110. Mm. But I can tell you now he's not averaging what he is now for the whole season across AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So chasing him can be a little bit of a catch-22. You're never going to make up any serious ground to the leaders and the um, guys and the teams that are highly ranked. Yep. But what you do do is you mitigate and you become a defensive trade and bring him in. Yes. So you're not losing all the time out of it while he has this big reign of form. And I mean, it's going to continue this week, is it not? Against Gold Coast, yeah. yeah. You would think he's going to, in the form that he's in right now, he's likely to put them to the sword. So, but whatever you decide on, you've just got to be understanding, I missed his start, yep. fine. For whatever reason it is, it is. Okay, All well and good. Done. But the problem that you've got now is you need to now adjust your thought process to what you've seen in the three weeks. Is he going to be able to average more than what he's priced at right now? Not for the season, mm. but from round four through to the end of the year. Because if you bring him in this weekend, Jay, and I don't know about you, but let's just say um, AFL Fantasy, okay? Sure. If you're bringing in Patrick Cripps at eight hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it is, yeah, eight ten, you yep. want him for the year, don't you? At, at this price point, where you're spending over <clears> eight hundred thousand on any player, even though there is, and, and it is break even, he's got a break even of fifty one. So even just with a flat ton, he'll he'll probably make you another thirty four, thirty to forty k, and two or three more good scores, he'll be up around that nine hundred thousand. But I agree, I think if you're investing eight hundred thousand in a player. From now, the intent is round 23, there or thereabouts. AFL Fantasy is different, but the intent is they're probably in your team for the vast majority of the year from this point onwards. But how many times have we seen this, okay? People jump out of the box and they fly for two or three weeks. And we see it year after year, okay? Whatever it is, they've sure. got their body in the best shape. They've had a great preseason. Good matchups early. Whatever yep. it is, yeah. Um, and they fly. And then everyone... Jumps. Banks, you know, they, they pay thousands of dollars. They break their structures in their teams. They grab our Uber premium that they had always intended to keep for the whole season. Let's just use our Jackson McRae or a Toot Miller yeah, example sure. right now. Now, you started these guys because that's what you wanted to do for the year. You mm. want to hold them. You want to use them as a captain option. Now, with Cripps, his early games have sort of starting to dry up a little bit because yes. that's how he started. So he might have been a VC option early on if you are willing to have a punt on something. Yep. But if they sort of dry up, I would not be comfortable putting the captain on him at this point in time. Yeah, VC, yes, C, maybe not. Yep. Yeah, so I hope that makes sense a little bit because it, it does sort of make me sit on the fence a little bit. But the thing is, I just want to give... a full view on this because he there's no doubt he's as 
he's as good a form as he's ever been in in his life. Undoubt. Undoubt. But how many times is he going to really have 30 and kick multiple goals with multiple tackles, you know, in a yeah. game of football? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just one of those ones where, yeah, he's in a rich vein of form. Um, he's had his luck with Chera missing round two, with Walsh missing round one. Mm-hmm. You know, people being integrated into that team. Playing the right teams, I think, is also a fair perspective. Like, Richmond have given up a fair bit of points, not just in round one, but historically, we know Richmond are more than happy to let teams beat them at the contest. Hawthorne, right now, statistically, are one of the easiest midfields to score against, and the Bulldogs aren't far off that either. So that does come into play too, Rids, doesn't it? Like, it's Gold Coast this week, Port... Fremantle, North Melbourne, and then the Crows. In honesty, they should probably win the next five games based on who oh, they they're coming up should. against anyway. But there's, we know teams, and we saw the reaction last week, and maybe this isn't a bridging point, and then we'll come back to some of these flying starters. Whenever a player has a dominating game or patch of games, we should never be surprised to see teams put negating focuses on them. We saw it with Neil. We saw it with Brayshaw. We saw it with Miller, where teams that have a tool to use, if they think that's the key to victory, they will absolutely put all the time in the world to stopping a player that they think is critical to their chance of victory. Now, none of those cases have impacted it, but it's it's the logic teams are using. Now, I just want to have a look at that draw in the next four or five weeks anyway, Mm. and the timing of jumping on these guys. So if you look at it, you've got Gold Coast this week. Now, I don't see a good matchup for Cripps at the Gold Coast, but who knows? You know, no. stranger things have happened. Sure. We've, we've seen guys like Holman do jobs. We've seen, you know, there's always someone that comes out of the woodwork if it is going to be. Yeah. I would suspect Raul's going to go stand next to Cripps. And yeah, just, beat him at the contest kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Port Adelaide, though, now... They're actually very restrictive for points they are. Um, to the opposition. So that's that's actually a dangerous game. And there's a guy called Drew that goes okay in that sort of He does of play role. a good stopping role. Now, Fremantle's the next one after that. Now, I don't see anyone for Fremantle tagging at this point in time. No. Like a Sarong has been used in that sure, instance. Sure, but like Sarong would get, get just ragdolled against Cripps, though, at some point. But I'm, I'm wondering whether a Will Brody gets a job. Okay, yeah, in that, that's that not a bad shout. Now, North Melbourne, now they've had an awful run with uh, midfield injuries early on, but, you know, someone like a Jed Anderson may very well come back. He might be back by then, that's true. Adelaide's been been very restrictive to opposition points, and so has GWS, and we only have to have a look at what the Boar and Ash did last week. So, I mean, I think the Boar's an absolute ideal matchup for a Paddy Crick. And he's done the job before, yeah. Yeah, so when you look at that, yes, their next six weeks, and then they've got Sydney and Collingwood, the two after. Like, I mean, whilst we're saying it's actually very friendly from a Carlton perspective, yeah, four it is points. actually dangerous from a fantasy. Yeah. Now, if we want to go, just, just to give people a little bit of a thought, okay, on what we've actually done here or what I've done in whilst I've been in isolation. Now, I've actually explored even for the whole year mm. on every team and all the matchups and everything. So on their run home, they've got GWS, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, followed by Collingwood in their last five games. Yeah. 
So if you're actually buying him this week and intending him to be there for the year, yes. that's when finals and when the... The points you know, matter most. It is. It really is. And so that becomes a real difficult little run. And I'll just say it again, GWS followed by Adelaide, followed by Brisbane, followed by Melbourne. And then Collingwood in the final round, yeah. Now, we know for a fact, okay, Adelaide has got a lot of accountable types in the midfield who mm-hmm. have played that role multiple times. And Ben Keyes is the one that jumps out. We yep. know that Laird's done it before. We also know that Schoenberg has done it before That's true. in that team. So there's multiple... A, a Sam Berry might come in. A yeah. Pedler might be given a run. So it's not as friendly as what it jumps out, you know, and that's, I'm not trying to talk people out. No, of you're it. just I'm trying just... to give people a fuller picture. Yeah. <clears throat> so the problem that we have now is everyone has to look at their team and go, Rodio, is my team better for the season? Not this week for the season with Paddy Cripps in it or not. And you make that decision yourselves and yeah. then you have to back it in. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really fair. We know in AFL fantasy, we do get to, you know, God willing, the end of the year, the last two or three weeks, and we've got the opportunity where we have completed sides to now start playing some matchup and some sideways premium movements. Now, again, that's always a risky type of scenario that can happen, whereas definitely for Dream Team and Supercoach, you are looking for now players at this price point, guys that you're hoping to hold for the year. I think you could almost probably copy and paste the conversation for Tom Green in a similar vein in terms of intent and mindset. What I'm curious is... say. Now, some... I just want to add something yeah. to though. Tom Green, I don't think, is the same right, discussion. Okay. Because Tom Green... Okay, I, I answered a guy's question, and sorry, I can't remember your name, on Facebook page the other day. Yep. Um, and his questions were about Tom Green, and I listed about five or six worries that I got with Tom Green. Mm. But the one that jumps out at me the most is his early buy round. So he's the first buy of that buy round. That means you actually, if you, if he does, if he absolutely has two or three bad weeks and you just want to move him on, you can't, you don't have the ability to sideways trade through the buys to someone who has had the buy. That's right. So that's what worries me the most in that. Okay. Plus, I mean, and let's let's just um, with the Proust discussion. I mm. mean, one of the number one things we kept hearing from people, or or he gets coached by Leon Cameron, like Leon Cameron's the anti fantasy Christ or whatever <laughs> it is. But the thing is, okay, Tom Green's in the same team, so wouldn't Correct. the same logic apply for that then? If you're worried about Leon Cameron for one player, then you should be worried about him for all the players. Well, and so, a big variance is coming back in Toby Green shortly. What does that oh, mean for Taranto? Now, he's scoring fantastically regardless, but that's a cascading impact that's going to come. Now, Hopper's out for a substantial amount of time, and that's clearly helping. But, yeah, but Hopper's out, but they're tagging now in the midfield. Now they've got Ash so they're starting and Ash DeBoer. And DeBoer. So when they through. tagged previously, what they did was they had DeBoer starting outside the centre Square, Correct. And coming in and taking the tag from that instance. Yes. Whereas on the weekend, Ash was gone, at CBA. we saw them in the CBA. Yeah. So it was like, and, and not just Ash though, when Ash was, because like, I mean, when you're tagging Tuke, you need a double team. <laughs> but when the ball had his turn on him, 
what happened was he went and started in the square. Yeah. And that was something that really caught my eye last week was um, Leon's always been a bit weird and chop and change and everything else. But the thing is, he's almost always gone tagging when there's a star midfielder, midfielder for the opposition. And he will sacrifice some of his own midfield stars in their best space for the benefit, in his eyes, for the benefit of trying to get a victory for his team. Now, just to close the Crips thing, let's go back a yeah, second. Sure. So the one big benefit of Crips, though, is that he is, I think he's taller than Jack Darling. Yeah, he's a beast. A half forward. So the thing is, he can go forward and he can play. And he's been doing that well forward. this year, yeah. <clears throat> so, but if he's getting heavy tagged, I suspect that's what's going to happen is he's going to spend more time forward, mm. especially if he's not having an influence. So it's... It's really, really intriguing to see what happens over the course of now to the end of the year. But we always see someone jump out of the blocks early days. It happens every single year. Is Tim English in that same vein as that? Like, the fact he's got ruck forward status is certainly of help for us. We know that, barring something drastically going wrong, Cherry will pick up ruck forward DPP in a fortnight's time at the end of round five because it's at round six, 12, and 18. Uh, just heading into those rounds that, that we do pick that up. So Cherry will pick that up and is a very popular moneymaker for us in our forward lines. Is English now just a clear pick to go and get as a premium forward that can play ruck and we can think- do that with confidence? I think the difference with English is he's still young. Yes. So really the only thing that's had been problematic with English over the last couple of years is the expectations of the fantasy world. Yeah. Um, everyone wanted him to break out and go crazy quickly. Yes. I don't I don't think 22, 23, 24-year-old rucks really do do that. So especially monster tall rucks who are, you know, let's, He's built like a broomstick, you know, yeah. last year. Like, I mean, they take a bit of time to grow into their bodies. Now, you've always got the odd exception with a Grundy or a Jackson, but they're more athletic, yes, um, mobile type. They're more athletes. Whereas Tim English is just a tall, skinny, rangy kid playing in a ruck. Yeah. So the thing with Tim English is he's actually grown into his body. I think we said it a couple of weeks ago. That's crazy how much he's actually grown into his body yeah, this he, year. he's done well. So I actually think Tim English is another discussion altogether because he's 25 now. And what we've found is it's almost like a perfect storm. He's actually right at that age now where it's he must have had a massive preseason. Clearly. And he's developed, you know, his body and his tank and everything else where it's like he's right there when Stefan Martin fell off the cliff. Yeah. And the next one in line is Sweet, who, like, he's... He's he's, fine for insurance, yeah. He's insurance, you know? Like, he's not going to come out and be the number one ruck. So there's actually no competition for the Bulldogs in that spot right now because I don't think Stefan Martin can be moving well. He was pretty much shot last year, you know? So, So English now is going... I'm feeling great. Yep. I'm having a run. Yep. And, but the big thing with English is, and let's just go back to their next few. Mm. He's got Richmond. He's yep. got North Melbourne. He's got Adelaide. He's got Essendon. He's got Port Adelaide. And then he bumps into Grundy, mm. you know, come round nine. Sure. Now, 
that's not a terrible um, fixture. Ruck. No. Now, I know that Toby Nankurfus is a loose cannon. Yeah, he'll, he'll be physical well. with him, sure. 100%. But the thing is, like, I think we can have a bit of confidence around Tim English. And if anything, I think he's almost a bigger miss than what Paddy Cripps is at this stage. He does have that feel because finding a 110 mid, and again, maybe that's downselling Cripps, but I'll, I'll put him at that point as a rounding across the formats. There's always half a dozen to a dozen guys in and around that range. And it's more about the timing because that point you've made so beautifully across this episode that, again, if people have missed it, the key point is it's all about owning the guys from where you pick them up. It's not so much about what they've done. It's all about from X point now, round four onwards, and the past doesn't matter. So I think that's right. English as a ruck forward, at the moment, he's pretty much the number one ruck across the formats, and even if guys like Grundy and Gorn do get back to their supreme levels, worst case scenario, English, you're flipping with a Dixon or a Hayes or a, or a dead R3, whatever it is, in a few weeks' time. He feels like he's going to be around the mark of our top six to ten forwards, doesn't he? But guess what? If you're trading into a Braden Proust, and we've had so many Braden Proust discussions, oh, yeah. guess who your cover is? English. Tim English. 100%. Like, if Proust doesn't get named or he hasn't got a good matchup and you're worried because he might have been limping late sure. or whatever it is, because let's face it, the one big, big flaw with Braden Proust is his body. And, like, I mean, his body just hasn't been strong enough to get through, you know, consistent games. That's right. Like and he, it's a history now, so I'm hoping that he's gone through the majority of preseason and obviously he's had a good couple of cracky games. Yeah, even last week there was positive signs, but there was still a limp late in that last quarter <laughs> yeah. with Bruce. You know, and then you go, okay, but he wasn't taken off the ground. No, that's positive. so obviously it was just a blow up because he hasn't played at that pace for a very long time. So he's going to be better for the run. So and I know that we're not talking about Bruce, but. Tim English flows in and he becomes pretty much your pseudo R2 mm. whenever Braden Proust has his rest. And that was one of the massive worries that people had across the board. And if you get Tristan Sherry, okay, which we will get at swing, the end of round five, yep. Like, let's think, look, Jack Hayes has done his job, yeah, but he's going to still get games, Jack Hayes. He'll There's still no make money too that. for the next two to three weeks, yeah. Exactly. So if he gets another game, he may not this week, but sure. he may in a week's time. You know, Ryder might pull up a bit sore, so yep. they go, you know what, we'll flip it again and let Marshall have a run. Like, at the end of the day, Jack Hayes will still get games. So trading out Jack Hayes is very premature. I agree. But Sherry will 100%. He's probably the number one lock to pick up your DPP edition. 100%. Like, he's, that's all he's done is play rock. Yeah. So so he is now, if you don't have Cherry and you're bringing in Proust, yeah. you're pretty much going to go, you know what, I'm very nervous for the next two weeks. Like, so you need to bring in Cherry then. Yeah. They, they come together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they should be married pretty much with your trades. You need one to have the other. And then if you've got a Tim English in the background as well, oh, wow, wee, that's, yeah. that's amazing because that opens up many opportunities in three or four weeks 
to trade Zach Grundy to whoever, yeah. you know, because we don't know when COVID's going to hit. DPP is going to be your friend this year. Versatility within your squad is critical in 2022 because those trades where, yep, you might have burnt through two, three, maybe four trades in Dream Team and Supercoach, probably at a, at a peak right now. We haven't really had that many injury impacts. So it's been correctional trades largely at this point in time in the limited trade formats of the game. You're 100% right. It's been more coaches out than fantasy-relevant players out with COVID. It will hit. You will need those moves. And so if you can save trades with versatility for those critical moments in the season, whether it be to exploit um, through the drafts and really explode through there, whether it be at big points in times uh, where high ownership guys and people are trusting their cows and you can flip and get aggressive with a broadband style strategy of a three-week run of a player. These are the times and the places and the moves to make. I, I really like that. I, I'm keen then, you know, you've touched on Proust and I, and I want to get back to some other stuff in a sec, but in Dream Team and Supercoach, he's priced pretty much at a cow. So to have him at R3, I'm quite comfortable with that. I've got no concerns even trading into him at R3. No, I've got concerns there. Okay. So um, I, I disagree with that. Okay, talk me through where your concerns are because I, I, I want to come to AFL Fantasy as I'm seeing it as a popular strategy of him at R3. But talk to me about where your concerns are even in as an R3 in those you've formats. You've got Gorn and Grundy. At, let's just assume it's Gorn and Grundy at R1 and R2. Sure. And you've got Proust at R3. And you're playing a McCartan at D6. Yes. Or you're playing a Skinner or whoever it is. A, a bad look, D6, yeah. Forget the name Bruce. Look at rookie versus rookie who's on field compared to what's on your bench. You need to have the best scoring potential-wise rookies on your field. So that's why I've got a massive issue with that. Because if you're locked with an R1 and R2, yes. you can't get Bruce on there, there is no way. Now, this is where English comes into play because yes, there does. might be potential that English can swing between and then you could do that at bench loophole. But I said this a couple of weeks ago, you, you know, if you aren't using your loopholes, and this is why the 30 green dots blew my mind because I come from a super coach and dream team background. Well, we always are so, loopholing, yeah. So to move into AFL fantasy where everyone's a little bit outdated and going, well, we, we want 30 green dots. And it's like, no, actually, it's more flexibility a lot of times having a non-playing DPP player. Yeah. And you think about how good Hollands would have been. Yeah. You know? It could have been the, very helpful. He could have been because he could have swung between the positions. Yeah. Now, Hugh Dixon, maybe Jack Hayes. Sure. But again, what we're seeing, okay, is we're seeing a lot of AFL fantasy coaches trading early on guys who have got favorable matchups with gettable break even. Mm. Um, or guys who have made a quick 150000 who aren't going to be named or they're predicting aren't going to be named this week. Yeah. But they're forgetting that that sometimes works in your favor it by does. having a captain loophole. So again, it's very outdated and it's only outdated because they introduced the rolling lockout, I think in the last year or two. Yeah. It was in 2020 was when it first hit for AFL fantasy coaches. Exactly. So what happened was before that time, 
everyone was going, you know, we want 30. Locked that's at where Friday you, night. Yeah. You want everyone making cash on your list if Correct. that's the case because you're locked out. You can't do in-round moves. Whereas now you can. you can, you can do loopholes on captains, you can do loopholes on benches, you can do, and this is why the flexibility of DPP is such a big, big asset that I think a lot of people have actually missed. So, and that's just why I'm just sort of calling it out now, because what will happen is more super coach and more dream mm. team orientated people um, will be introduced with AFL Fantasy. Yeah. And when they start getting a bit more serious, that's where all this new strategy and new ways of, well, you could say cheating the system yeah, comes into play. Yeah. And that's why it's going to be very, very optimal to actually have not just one, but often it's, and you know yourself, especially that util bench. That utility, um, utility. spot where you can really open up all the positions easily. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If you have a DPP guy there and you can swing guys around the place, that's that's going to be the biggest asset to AFL Fantasy this yeah. year. Yeah. Well, is that utility. Yeah, and, and positioning and the fixtures. I, I'm curious, and you know, we'll come back to Bruce in AFL Fantasy in a sec. The role of cash cows is ultimately to generate cash. So, where people do have an Agorn and a Grundy, where's the hesitancy for you about trading into Bruce, who, from a cash cow perspective, could be the best money maker of the year? And obviously, it's a hypothetical and unknown. Where's your hesitancy of trading into him at R3, even if you are set and forget, knowing that he could be our best cow? Would that still be something well, that concerns you? Yeah, I would be 100%. Yeah. Because why not just wait till next week? Yeah, sure. And make him your R two, and then you just do one trade of a Gorn slash Grundy two, an English or a Prusa or whatever. Yeah. Well, just make sure you got the assurance that he gets named next week for his bubble game. Yeah, I. Or you've got English in the forward line. Yeah, I couldn't trade into Prusa this week. I agree. No, no, I, I, well, I am in Supercoach. Right. I've got English. Ah. Different story. That's where it. That's a different story because the thing is, I've got confidence. I don't care because really my R2 is playing in my forward line. That's right. That's and you'll get difference. Cherry in a week or so, yeah. And this is why I keep saying it's very, very important to have that loophole and those options and flexibility with DPP because depending on the draw and who plays who mm. will depend on who goes on the field at that point in time. And it's only going to go to my advantage in that setup and everyone else's who has that setup if Dixon doesn't get named after this week yes. or if Hayes doesn't get named after this week. Because now we've got an actual bench spot and we've got someone that can actually come in. We could put Bruce as your bench emergency in the rucks just as long as that person plays after. And I'm pretty yeah. sure Eagles play most of the late games anyway. Yeah, they normally are a Sunday after. So if you could just loop that and then swing you know, um, English forward or Sherry forward, sure. you know, and it'll probably be more Sherry at this point in time. But that's how the let loopholes happen. And I don't know how many times we've discussed this many times. And I know we've discussed this on the mm. forums and the pods and everything. We often have the bench mid. Yes. Sitting there with the E and the forward mid sitting there with the E, yes. and they play early in the week, we yep. find out what their scores are, and guess what? We just swing the non-playing guy to whoever's got the most scores. 100%. <laughs> and that's the sort of setup that I think AFL Fantasy um, players haven't really used 
across the board. Well, it's, it's a new skill for them. Getting through 2020, it was, it was, oh, I get to do this rolling lockout. This is cool. And then 2021, some coaches maximized it. Like any kind of trend in the game, it takes the average coaches, and that's not in average in SA or poor, but your standard coaches, it takes two to three years to realize the loophole, maximize the loophole, and do it frequently. I think by the time 2023-2024 hits, coaches that have exploited the red dot strategy that we've talked about a few times and loopholing will be much more common. So if you can do it now, this year in 2022 in AFL Fantasy, you're going to find yourself getting ahead of the crowd um, with that. Um, and so two things. While we're in AFL Fantasy, then I do want to talk about coaches that have had a poor start before we hit a couple of Patreon questions quickly. Bruce is priced over 400000 now in AFL Fantasy. Um, he's got a break-even of seven. Um, so even with you know a month of 70-plus scores, he's still going to push towards that 500000 550000 quite comfortably for us, if not more. Could you p- trade into him if you're not an owner? And again, his ownership number has really rocketed up. In at R3... Or is it no. a R2 or bust in your no, eyes? No, you can't trade him into R3, yeah. MJ. Because you know what people are doing in AFL Fantasy? They're trading Rochelle, um, Rochelle out. Yes. Hayes out. They're, just, they're, they're very closely priced, and they've got pretty similar-like break-evens. So why would you go sideways in a rookie to a rookie with the same break-even if we're, if we're just saying that rookies are... You know, um, like Hayes. Let's say Hayes. Mm. Hayes to Proust right now. Now, that's great. It'll cost okay? you about 50K, you by someone, the way, to do it. Yeah, but you get someone on the field. That's awesome. But why not throw Hayes to your t- utilities bench spot if he's not playing and mm. then loophole him? Yes, of course. But that's that's half of the battle, yeah? And what happens if Proust goes nuts again? Yeah. You're missing out on a rookie-priced monster score like last week on your field. You know, you have a look at, and I, I haven't been through the stats because I've been a bit out off colour, sure. but have a look through the main teams in AFL Fantasy. I, I would be very surprised if Bruce isn't at R2, you know? And if he's not and now, he will year. be by the end of the week, yeah. Well, exactly. And this is the year that value seems to have absolutely been king. Yeah. So, and that's why teams are flying, and we're going to talk about it shortly. Yeah. But that's that's exactly what we're seeing. When was the last that. time you saw a premium rookie having that scoring potential of a? And we've spoken about this so many to death. Sure. Okay? And unfortunately, we're going to talk about it again because a lot of people didn't bother listening and wanted to argue and carry on like idiots. The fact is, he's scoring potential is as a premium. Yes. If he plays R1 for the GWS, well, we saw he's it on not the weekend. scoring any less than 85. He, that's not his, that's his average for the year. I agree. He's a 26-year-old, 120kg, 200-plus centimetre monster. He's not scoring under 85, MJ, 100%. if he stays on the field. We saw it at North Melbourne. We saw it at Melbourne. <clears throat> when the opportunity and the role is there, He's going to be around the mark, not maybe as good as the top end, but around the mark. And at his price point, 
feel like we're circling back around a lot of proofs. But the benefit is, I think coaches are now that missed the the process that we were talked through the preseason are now seeing it. Whether it be because the ruck premiums haven't been at the upper end that we'd hoped in Gorn and Grundy, whether it be they've now seen the value and the opportunity of how it means they could get a McCartan, for example, off the field in their back line, and now they could get a Short or a Dawson or a Hewitt. Uh, they've now seen it. The, the benefit is, and I think you said it so beautifully last week for us, is once you recognize you've made a mistake, own it and correct it and move forward. Um, and that's great coaches do that. Okay, and I, I just want to I just want to raise one more question, okay? And this is why I lose my mind at times because we often get yelled at in forums. You know that we've no. had it ourselves. No. Like because we want to throw strategy into the discussion, Correct. okay? We want to say, you know what? So what we were throwing out there before isn't the fact that Proust wasn't being named in round one, was that if Hayes scored a rookie score in round one, you could utilise Proust and then get the benefits of a captaincy loophole as well. Which people did with McRae, yeah. And what's the discussion right now that's out on the forums with AFL Fantasy? Is it better to have 30 green dots or is it better to have rolling loophole options? Yeah. So again, that's what we were discussing a few weeks ago. And why are people thinking spending the top dollar for people on players who are top dollar, okay? Gone, grunge. That aren't captains too. Okay, and let's think about it. Taranto. People didn't start Taranto because he was top dollar and they had question marks around him, yeah? Yes. Because of green missing. Now, why is the logic different elsewhere? And yet, what did we hear over the preseason, MJ? Proust is a trap, Proust is a trap, is Proust a trap, is <laughs> yeah. Proust... Can't and be a I trap reckon, at that price. No, at that price, he's not a trap. No. Now, why weren't people going, is Gorn a trap? Correct. Is Grundy a trap? Yes. Grundy's priced at 900000 He's had a couple of poor years, you know, in a team that's rebuilding. Gorn's got this superstar 22-year-old, you know, playing as R2, you know, with a shorter break from a grand final with likely breaks, um, you know, being managed through the season, whether it's in-game or out of games. Like, why are people saying, why aren't they traps? Why is the guy at yeah. 200,000 a, a trap? You know what I mean? So, and we've said this from day one. Yeah, and we're going to go and start exploring, and what this is how it works in the fantasy world. We're going to go say to people, and you know what I'm going to come up with now. I'm we, for it. we forget the next Crips. Find, no, forget Crips. Find the next. Find crips. the next Cripper. Yeah. Okay, and then back in the next Crips. I mean, look at Bowie last week, and I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong yeah. name wrong, but look at him last week. We sort of said. One good score, Hall, for two or three weeks can absolutely be a monster moneymaker and a beautiful stepping stone. Text of 2021 was the same point. Yeah. Every single time, man. There's every single time we have someone like that. So why are we jumping on the guy that's now become over the price? We now need to then reevaluate. We need to go, you know what? What we need to do is we need to find the next one. Is it a Charlie Constable if he gets named this week? Is it, a, you know, whoever? Think of anyone. But we've seen Brody do it. We've yeah, seen good shout. 
Crips do it. Yeah. We've seen a whole heap of things happening in this year where value is absolute king right now. So people starting the top price guys, 100% the right strategy for this year for the first three rounds. Yes, only but, three but rounds. that's the key is it's only three rounds. I feel like we've, we've answered a lot of our Patreon's questions as we've worked our way through, but there is kind of one big question that a lot of our Patreons have, have asked, and I won't go through all of their names. It's about rankings. Now, I'll give a disclaimer and then I'm keen on your take. We know rankings don't really mean all that much until after the buy rounds. That's where we get our greatest visibility of movement of, and a true representation of where teams are at because we've learned the trading, the movements, the pacing, how people have traded, all those variances. That to be said, though, if you find yourself in AFL Fantasy and Supercoach, where they've got, you know, 100, 150,000 coaches, and you're sitting in that 30,000 ranking or 20,000 or 15,000 ranking and looking at your team going, but it's not that bad. What would you be saying to coaches that look at their team? It's not that bad, but their rankings not reflecting where they think they should be. What's your advice for them? I think just sit still, just back your gut, trust the process that you came up with three weeks ago and just go with it. Don't go sideways, Chase. This is where chasing points become a real That's problem, true. yeah? So you've always got to make a decision case to case. Can this guy continue? Is he at premium? That's your first question. Is the upgrade a premium? Okay, do you believe they're going to average what they are right now for the remainder of the year? Not before you own him, but from now on. And that's where it gets that's really good. interesting. So, and that goes for guys you're trading in and out. Let's just say, um, who's a guy that's Jack Steele, okay? He's a very um, high-owned player. If he's averaging 104 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy over the first three weeks, mm. Do you think he's going to average 104 for the year? Because if you do, you need to trade him out. Yeah. If you think he's still going to come and average 120 from now through to the end of the year, then he stays in because he represents value at this point in time. Well, you're compounding and the losses then, aren't you, if you're trading you're him exactly out? You're exactly right. And as soon as you start sideways trading, and there's always exceptions, okay? We talked about Tom Mitchell last week. We, there's always exceptions to the rule. But if you believe that you've seen everything that says that that guy is absolutely capable and is likely to average more than what he is right now, then you have to just hold and trust. Like, I mean, that's why they've got history in this game, you know? That's why people come back year after year and have decent rankings year after year. Now, the casual down the road might not even care about rankings. So this is why it gets really interesting because that advice would then have to be changed to direct it to them. Yeah. You know? Well, then it's In more league-focused or something like that, yeah. If you think Andy Brayshaw is going to give you the most unique matchup for you when the leagues are you know, right at their um, end point in the finals later in the year and you like his matchup, 100%, knock yourself out. Do a Miller to Brayshaw. Because you might have four of your biggest competitors in a league focus that own Miller 
and you think Brayshaw's matchups in the last four games is better than Miller's. So do it now while you've got the chance. Yeah. But again, advice should not be one fits all. I think that's good, yeah. And you know the problem we have, and we say this all the time, is people go, oh, well, I want to have a unique... Don't go unique for the sake of unique, and don't forget your team squad is your unique. It yeah. doesn't matter if three mm. or four of those guys are cookie-cutting, vanilla, whatever you want to call it these days. Just make sure you're working towards that end goal of completing your team. Because if I, and we've said this many times, MJ, if we're going to our Crips or if we're going to our Lipinski after round one or if we're going to this or that, we're not actually progressing our team. No, and it's right. highly likely we're going to run out of trades before we can actually complete it or run out of money in AFL fans. Yeah, equally as, as problematic <coughs> in, in that format. Mate, mate I think, that's some quality advice um, that you've dropped throughout this episode, man. And, and the fact you've been able to do it while in ISO life, we really appreciate you. Thanks for jumping on this episode, man. Too easy. Uh, oh, you... Just a quick one too, yeah. MJ. I, wanna, I know it's getting late in the day and you've probably got things to do. Huh. I want to just reinvestigate two names, okay? Oh, please. Because we've spoken about them plenty in the first three rounds. Uh, Lockie Winfield and Jack Chris. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about them quickly? Are they Jack a... Yeah, go. I don't know about you, but Jack Crisp for Supercoach has a bit of a smell about him. I, I don't think it's just in Supercoach. I, I think it could be in other ones. Yeah, I think it's across the board. Um, and I know that people all went heavy because of the one-round result. Sure. Um, and often that's what Jack Crisp does. He has a bad game. He has a good game. Then he strings three or four decent games at 140 a pop. You know, this is the world of Jack Crisp. But I'm more worried about his role. Mm. I don't think it suits him. Um, and I don't. I just wanted to have a quick... If I... I don't want people to look at it and go, you know what, it doesn't feel right to me. If you don't think he's going to average that premium average that you thought he would before the season started when you had him, yeah, it's time to move him on early. Otherwise, it can ruin your season if you have that... And the same goes with Whitfield. Yeah. Whitfield's role isn't in question at all. No. He actually looks very good. It's his energy yeah. and the way that he's not, you know, Whitfield's that type of guy that handballs and runs on and takes a kick. Even with the kickouts, he, he used to just grab it, he'd punch it out to 20 metres, then he'd run past and get a handball and go again. He just doesn't have that energy about him this year. So I don't know whether, you know, and it may very well be something like COVID or sure. whatever. You know, you just don't know what these people are like. But again, Whitfield's got that early buy round. Mm. So to trade him out any later than now is going to be really problematic. You'd need to probably back your gut and trade him out like many did last week. Mm -hmm. And then you can always bring him back in after he's had his buy in round in the early buys. Yeah, round twelve is when it is. Round twelve. Sorry, I was trying to work. No, no. You're, that's but, um, but that's the thing I wanted to just address because one game doesn't dictate whether it's the right decision or not. No. And a lot of times on Twitter and in pods and everything else, everyone spruiks that one game result as a win for them. Yeah. But they never come back next week when the guy looks 
putrid again, you know, after the first round. So that's that's all I wanted to just address on that one. No, nah, man, some really good advice. Appreciate your work uh, on this episode. If you want to go and check back uh, the podcast that Jimmy and I did on the Ultimate Footy DPPs, who's got it and how they've got it, you can go and grab that. Now that you've wrapped up this episode, we've also got articles that have dropped every single day this week at coachespanel.tv and we'll keep doing right throughout your 2022 season. Good luck as you head into this weekend of football. I hope your captaincy kills it for you. You win Rookie Roulette, and we can't wait to chat to you next week here at the Coaches Panel.